Hey, it's Lily Jamali. Marketplace Tech has a new limited series out on YouTube called Decoding Democracy. With rapid advancements in new technology like AI, disinformation efforts are more convincing and more misleading than ever. So we'll be discussing how to spot things like deep fakes, how to protect yourself from disinformation, and how to talk to your friends and family about it. As always, this fact-based journalism and vital information will be free and accessible to all. As a public service newsroom, donations from you help us take on ambitious reporting projects like this one. Every single gift makes a difference. Go to marketplace.org slash give tech. To celebrate Marketplace's 35th anniversary, we made some throwback thank you gifts you can get when you donate during this March fundraiser. We took our old dot-com era logo and put it on a sticker, a glass mug, a tote bag, and a t-shirt. No matter how you donate, you can get a fun piece of Marketplace history. Check them out at marketplace.org slash give tech. These limited edition gifts are only available through March 22nd. Get yours at marketplace.org slash give tech. We just can't stop talking about AI, can we? From American Public Media, this is Marketplace Tech. I'm Lily Jamali. Generative artificial intelligence once again made headlines this week, especially on the regulatory front, and we're diving into it on today's Marketplace Tech Bytes Week in Review. Meta has announced it'll label AI-generated images posted to its platforms, which include Facebook and Instagram. This after its oversight board criticized the company's policy on manipulated media. Meanwhile, Senator Amy Klobuchar recently joined our program to discuss, among other things, the possible reform or even repeal of Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act, a law that essentially gives social media platforms legal immunity when it comes to the content their users post. But first, on Thursday, the Federal Communications Commission ruled that AI-generated robocall scams are now illegal under the Telephone Consumer Protection Act of 1991. This after thousands of New Hampshire voters got a surprise ahead of their primary election last month, a robocall deepfake of President Biden asking them to do this. It's important that you save your vote for the November election. Voting this Tuesday only enables the Republicans in their quest to elect Donald Trump again. For more on this, I was joined by Maria Curie, tech policy reporter at Axios. So the FCC has always been um, really on top of combating illegal robocalls and, you know, making sure that Americans aren't suffering from robocalls. I mean, it's, I think we can all agree it's a, it's a pretty big problem and a nuisance. Um, but this year specifically, the issue has gotten a lot of attention because we're seeing that it's a huge election year, um, not just in the United States, but globally. And we're also seeing that generative AI is becoming easier to use and AI in general is becoming easier to use, which has made these robocalls, this issue of robocalls and deep fakes in robocalls come together in a new way that could really influence misinformation in the elections and influence voter behavior. Um, and so it's all hands on deck at the FCC. And we saw how they are getting ready to take some real action to address this problem um, as the elections gear up this year. 
Yeah, and there was this now infamous AI-generated robocall uh, posing as President Biden. This was in New Hampshire, telling voters there not to cast their ballots in the primary last month. Talk to me about the message that you think the FCC is sending with this ruling. So what's important to note here is that this isn't a new law that the FCC is kind of putting on the books. Obviously, that would require Congress. This is clarification of an existing law that says AI, it's now illegal to use AI in these phone calls themselves. Previously, the law that that we're referring to here, the TCPA, only allowed um, the FCC and attorneys general, like the one in New Hampshire, deal with these types of issues after the fact. So to deal with the harms and the and the fraud that was being perpetuated by these illegal robocalls. Now, um, the law has been clarified to say that um, the government can actually go after people for just using AI in illegal robocalls in the first place. And I think that this is sending a message to the individuals who are making these calls, um, the telecom providers who are already um, facing the burden of a lot of responsibility for carrying these calls. And now importantly, the AI companies themselves are under more scrutiny for offering the technology. Yeah. And we know that that particular robocall that I mentioned uh, in New Hampshire was traced back by authorities there to this company called Life Corporation based in Texas. And I was wondering, uh, before we move on from this topic, how big of a cottage industry has this become, this industry of generating this fake material, audio and video, especially, you know, of concern this election year? It's a huge problem. I mean, in the New Hampshire case alone, 5,000 to 25,000 calls were made. Um, and so it's something that the government needs to be very proactively involved in mitigating. Like I said, that this is going to increase the burden of responsibility to not just the people placing the calls, but the carriers and the AI companies now as well. And hopefully that will help mitigate the spread of these types of calls. Yeah, a lot to watch in this space, and we're going to be keeping our eyes on it. I know you will too. Let's talk about AI and Meta, our second story. The company has announced that it's going to start labeling images generated by other companies' artificial intelligence services in the coming months. So this applies to Instagram, it applies to Facebook and threads. Help us understand why Meta is doing this. Why now? So the oversight board was criticizing Meta over a specific case in which uh, Meta decided not to take down content displaying President Biden inappropriately uh, touching his uh, granddaughter. And this was fake. It wasn't um, an actual video of Biden. Um, but Meta decided not to take it down because it didn't use AI. It used um, another mechanism. And the oversight board said um, pretty much that that's ridiculous, that Meta should have a better policy against any uh, fake content, whether it's generated by AI or not. And that is kind of what prompted this new action to start labeling all fake content, regardless of how it was generated. Mm -hmm. And Meta is going to be doing the detection itself. Um, what do we know about how that is going to work? Is that, does that create opportunities for, for more problems? I mean, should they maybe have an outside party do this kind of work? Yeah. So there are definitely um, critics of this type of um, effort who say that it would be better if we all kind of as a community had digital keys for very, you know, famous or high profile people that could then be vetted 
by thousands of validators. It's a concept that is kind of borrowed from the cryptocurrency rule um, world. But so far, we've seen that this content authenticity detecting and labeling um, model is picking up steam. And so Meta uh, says that they, their technology to detect this type of contact will be ready in the coming months. In the meantime, users will be required to um, label uh, the content themselves and could potentially face uh, penalties if they don't. We don't know exactly what those would be yet, though. Yeah, there's so many of these deep fake images uh, floating around out there. I'm not sure if you saw this, but the New York Times recently published a quiz where you can test your ability to tell the real thing from an image that's generated <laughs> by AI. I took the test. I did not do very well. I failed. Three out of 10 is what I got. Oh, no. I don't know why in my head I think I would nail it, but maybe that's being too confident. I well, I went in it. very confident too, Maria. <laughs> <laughs> it was not a pretty picture. <laughs> Well, um, you know, back to your point about the oversight board, has it been able to serve its mandate and remind us what that mandate is? Um, I mean, it's meant to kind of oversee a company that doesn't have a lot of trust in the public right now to regulate itself or to take actions itself. And we're seeing in this specific case that um, its complaints did lead to a certain level of action. But at the end of the day, I think most people would agree that regulation is needed and that third parties are needed and that we can't count on uh, these companies and uh, the boards that they are involved with themselves um, to, to, to get the job done and get some protections in place. Yeah. Well, their message was pretty clear on this issue. It was focused more on the potential harm itself, not on how the content is created. Um, and your colleagues at Axios wrote a really interesting piece back in December called 2024, The Year AI Gets Real. And it is already happening on the topic of this election and so much more. We'll be right back. You're listening to Marketplace Tech. I'm Lily Jamali. We're back with Maria Curie, tech policy reporter at Axios. I want to turn to a conversation now that we had with uh, Senator Amy Klobuchar, the Democrat from Minnesota, uh, and Section 230 came up. This is uh, the part of the Communications Decency Act of 1996, which gives essentially blanket legal immunity to social media companies um, in a way that like pretty much no other industry has, right? Um, here's what she told me. We're going to play a clip. Senator Graham has led this effort on just full-sale repeal for a while, and I think others, uh, including myself, are trying to find other answers, and now there's a number of Democrats that are full in on this, because it is really the only way to guarantee that they're going to change their profit models, because right now their profit models are based a lot on just um, how much they can make from advertising and the like, and then um, they don't have any real reason except for public pushback. They don't have any real monetary reason to get this stuff off of their platforms. So she's saying repeal is on the table. I was surprised by that. I told her I was surprised by that. Um, how realistic does that seem to people who cover policy as closely as you do? It's a debate that's been had for a while now in here in Washington, D.C., but um, if you zoom out, it is viewed as an unrealistic, you know, kind of change because it kind of goes against the First Amendment, which is so enshrined in this in this country's values across um, the Republican Party and the Democratic Party. Um, but really what it's trying to address is this issue of incentives and the fact that right now 
uh, social media companies are primarily incentivized by profit, according to, to lawmakers, and that the threat of litigation might be a better incentive for um, forcing these companies to do more to take down, in this case, harmful material of, of children online. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are different proposals to this. So there are some, you know, the, the measure that Senator Klobuchar mentioned there is called the Earn It Act. Um, its sponsor is Senator Lindsey Graham, and that would completely remove immunity um, from civil and criminal liability under uh, child sexual abuse material laws. Um, Senator Klobuchar has a narrower version called the Shield Act, um, which would tackle the distribution of private or explicit images without consent in a more narrow fashion, and it would address serious privacy violations. Um, so these are, you know, varying degrees of tackling the issue through litigation um, mm-hmm. and Section 230. Something that really stuck with me from my conversation with the senator was that she conveyed a, a sense that this hearing that took place last week on online safety for kids did move the needle, that it wasn't just theatrics, that having those families in the room really made a difference. What is your sense? I mean, we've had about a week to process this now. Do you have the sense that something different is amiss in Washington or is it just more of the same? No federal regulation um, back to how things have always operated there. Yeah. So I think it, it kind of gets conflated, but the reality is there are you know, half a dozen bills out there that would address these issues and protect kids in different ways. Bipartisan bills. <laughs> Bipartisan bills. And I think some yeah. of them are more of a long shot. Like I think the Section 230 reform bills are more of a long shot, but there are other bills that are gaining momentum like COSA, which we saw some of the tech executives say that they sponsor and would back. Now, ultimately, it is up to lawmakers to transcend the lobbying and the influence that tech uh, has on Capitol Hill and really get legislation passed. Um, but it is a, a combination of being influenced by lobbying and then some lawmakers really not thinking that these are the best ways to address harm. So for some bills, um, I think COSA is, you know, based on our reporting, it's picking up support. Senator Schumer is invested in it. That is something that could possibly get a floor vote, um, you know, before the elections kick into gear. But in the meantime, I would really pay attention to the states and the courts um, where tech laws tend to, you know, move more quickly. That was Maria Curie at Axios. This conversation is part of our Tech Week in Review segment. You can hear and watch it in full on our website, marketplacetech.org slash techbytes. Daniel Shin produced this episode. Jesus Alvarado and Rosie Hughes also produce our show. Lydia Ayano is our intern. Becca Weinman is our engineer this week. Daisy Palacios is our senior producer. Kelly Silvera is our executive producer. I'm Lily Jamali, and that's Marketplace Tech. This is APM. We all want to be our best selves, but it can be an expensive journey. From experimenting with alternative medicine. I was working with a natural, holistic nutritionist and never really thought about the cost. To splurging on fast fashion. I'm spending like all my tips. I was definitely spending like $200 a week. I'm Rima Hreis, host of Marketplace's This Is Uncomfortable. This season, we explore the cost of self-care and the real motivations behind our spending choices. Listen to This Is Uncomfortable wherever you get your podcasts.